Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. Care preach with Rashad. We are the prophets. Here another episode, another sermon coming at you from 12 Ounce Sports, Zingo TV, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere you can be listening. Rashad, man, what's going on? You should have came in playing some future, man. It's March Madness time. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, well, we, what maybe what a week away from all the big conferences coming out and all that stuff like that. So. That's going to be something we're going to be very in tune, in tune to. Uh, that's coming up next week. Um, but first, I want to introduce our guest today, our talk show host, reporter, analyst at the Broncos flagship, also the game day broadcast insider. And you can find him at KO8, Colorado, 850 AM, and 94.1 FM radio. Uh, Benjamin Albright, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Glad to be here. David, I'm, I'm glad you joined us, man. Uh, you know, I, I seen that you you told me that you was at the combine, so I kind of you know wanted to get into all that. Um, but first, I kind of want like you know break the ice a little bit. Um, so we 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 posted a, a profit question of the other week, and I, w- I want to get all y'all both of you guys uh, answer, and we can talk about it for a second. So for the next ten years, w- uh, would you rather have a guaranteed Super Bowl, at least in, th- in those ten years? But in those ten years, you'll make the playoffs fifty percent of the time, right? Or would you be would you rather have a guarantee to make the playoffs all ten years, but there's no guarantee you win the Super Bowl? Uh, if it's me, I think I'm taking the ten years because I think I'm taking ten shots of winning the Super Bowl, betting on myself. I understand the, the thought process of guaranteeing yourself one, but you're also guaranteeing yourself five years with no shot. So. Give me uh, give me ten lottery tickets instead of just five. And I would go the opposite way. I would say guarantee me one Super Bowl just because that's why they they play the games. And I mean, you win one Super Bowl, especially for a quarterback. You win the Super Bowl, that can get you into the Hall of Fame, as we can see with guys like Eli Manning. He's he has two, so he's gonna probably get in the Hall of Fame just off playing in those two Super Bowls and winning against the Patriots. The, the dynasty of this era. So I would take the one guaranteed and the 50-50 chance the rest of the year just because when you think about it, you really already have a 50-50 chance anyway. You either win your division and make it or you can win getting through the wild card. So your chance are already at 50-50. So I'll just take the one guaranteed Super Bowl because I'd rather not be uh, like the Bengals who made it like five years in a row and didn't even win the game. So just because you make it, no mean you're going to win the game. So I would, I would just take the guaranteed Super Bowl. And I, I'm with you, Benjamin. I I did the same thing. I'd rather be there 10 years because if you think about 
the teams who are kind of in that track record, who who make it every single year. You know, the Patriots. Uh, you know, I, I would say the Chiefs probably would be on that on that way. Uh, Seattle with Russ. All all those teams they have they had that quarterback, and you know if you have one of the best quarterbacks in the game, pretty pretty much going to guarantee you might get one. You know, um, you know for Russ probably could have had two. Uh, Mahomes could have had two if it wasn't for D four going off sides uh, the, the year prior. And I just, I just think if you like you said if you if you got your chance in there if you if you're in there for ten years, you're ba- you bound you bound to get there. I I, I believe you're going to get there, and like you said, you may you might get there multiple times. Uh, I rather I rather have my have my stake in there and and get a shot because everybody have a shot once you make the playoffs. Uh, on that on that uh, that poll though, it was sixty seven percent. Everybody said that they guaranteed one Super Bowl win, and thirty three percent. Uh, said all ten years. I wonder. I wonder how many people in those votes are in a city that won a Super Bowl recently. If that changes things, uh, you know, living down here in Denver, they won one a few years ago. So the perspective on that kind of changes a little bit. Like you, you, know, you want to be in the playoffs every year to have a shot at it rather than guaranteeing one because you're not as thirsty for it as you used to be. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think that's pretty much sure because I, I'm a Vikings fan. So, my, Mike Mike Zimmer. And then during his tenure, five or six years, we made the playoffs what, three times and didn't make it three times. So you got to think four more years. If you told me we won a Super Bowl, you know, I might, I might be like, I may be okay with that, you know, in in that instance. But it's like, you might be right. Like teams like Eagles, uh, Rashad mentioned the Giants with Eli. It's like they got that one, even though Giants got two. But most teams get that one, and, and they'd be fine with it. But you know, those other franchises, when you when you had like a a Russ and Tom Brady and Rogers really one is not enough for them, and to feel like you should be you should be barking on that on that Super Bowl tree every every single every single year. Yeah, it's it's franchise dependent because a a franchise like the Browns, the Bengals, the Redskins, um, even at this point the Raiders, like those franchises would take ten straight playoff appearances because it's they've been off and on as far as making like, but the Bengals haven't made it. The last two years, the Browns have been abysmal the better part of two decades. So, you know, it's franchise dependent upon what your outcome would be. Now, of course, if you said, like you mentioned, Steelers, Cowboys, 49ers, Patriots, uh, even the Baltimore Ravens, they, you know, they won two Super Bowls. Uh, New York Giants, a a more storied franchise, a more prideful franchise, just guaranteeing one isn't enough. But if you're talking about somebody who's in the middle of the pack, a Tennessee Titans, uh, someone like that, uh, they they would prefer you know to have multiple chances at because, or like the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're pretty low in attendance, so more games, more playoff appearances, you can sell more more merch and you can uh, sell your stadium out too. Yeah, I I really do. I think it it goes to the lens of have you been to one or have you won one. Um, because, you know, a team like you just mentioned, the Titans, that was, you know, a yard away, half yard away with Kevin Dyson. You think of how those that fan base, you know, has struggled with being that close to getting it and then not getting back. And so you think they would probably take the guarantee over, you know, over the, the 10 shots at it, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, those 85 Bears did get mentioned today, and that's their only Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, like I told you, if, if y'all told me in four next four years, Minnesota win a Super Bowl, I, I might be happy with it, you know, because we, you're always there. Sometimes you're not. I mean, not not saying we had bad records, but if, if 
if most of the time you're, you're on the outside looking in, you're like, man, if we had won this game in week four, we'd be right in the playoffs having another shot at it. But I, I think the teams who who had that 10 years, I mean, you pretty much going to guarantee you won. I, I think I, I just think that's the writing on the wall, at least for one. Yeah, I was kind of shocked that it was kind of so spread yeah, out. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you got anything that you want to add before we move on? No, I'm good. I, I was just, I was like, yeah, you know, when you get when you get there close, or when you haven't 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 been spread out so long uh, that you haven't been in a while, I think that that changes your perspective on things. I think that there are teams that. Uh, you know, you, you talked about the Bengals earlier, and you know they're a team that would be happy getting to the playoffs every year because they're not a team that does that. You know, right. uh, and they were with Marlin, and so you know I think that's what it is. I think it, your perspective changes with your recent history. You know, what have you been over the last 15 years? That's really going to change your perspective on whether you'd want to be guaranteed a Super Bowl or guaranteed 10 shots at a Super Bowl. Definitely. Um, so you was at the combine this past weekend. Uh, we kind of pick your brain a little bit of, of of what you saw, and then we also I did see your you post your your fifteen top fifteen mock. Um, you know, it's not too much I want to talk about there, but it's just like as far as um maybe just a couple of things. But when at the combine you there, uh, I guess first thing I want to talk about, did you like the prime time change, of move, moving all the workouts to the evening? Uh, I hated it, and everybody I know hated it. Um, <laughs> Whether it was players, media, owners, uh, general managers, coaches, um, every every single person hated it. The only the only people that were pushing for it was NFL Network, and all total, I think they got a three percent boost in uh, um, uh, in viewership. Um, basically, the primetime combine viewership was about a third of what the XFL drew for an average game over the course of that weekend. So. Uh, all in all, an epic disaster, I think. Um, some of the fans liked it, but the reality is most fans uh, aren't really tuning in for that. They just want the information, you know. Nobody's sitting up to watch somebody run a 40 for four seconds, you know. And it's tough to package a, a program around that. So I feel like that needs to go back to the daytime where everybody's better prepared and um, and. and you know, honestly, player safety is better because a lot of these guys were going out there and running stuff after they've been sitting around all day. They were all tightened up. And, um, you know, I, I just, it presented a lot of problems that I don't think it was worth it. I think they need to go back. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's not really appealing to the fans unless they just really want to see that. So you're only appealing to a niche group because, like you said, most people just want, oh, he ran a 4 2, he ran a 4 4. Oh, he did 18 reps on the bench. He did 25 reps on the bench. You know, most people just care about what the end result is versus actually seeing what happened. They'll just catch the highlights on SportsCenter. Yeah, I'll be with you. I, I, I recorded the combine, so I was like, well, I'll watch it when I need to watch it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Put it back in daytime. That way I can go ahead and get these times while I'm at work or something. Instead of waiting to the end of the night, Cause I think what some some of them were lasting what ten o'clock, and you know I, I think what most does most like GMs teams teams want to meet players after the, the workout most times, and I feel like now they can't because because of the prime time sleep. Yeah, and it's it's tough. It's not just you know the players and stuff like that. The thing about the way it used to be is 
is that everybody used to go out afterwards and it gave the agents and the general managers and the scouts and the coaches and the media all time to kind of huddle up about what they saw, what the numbers were, kind of trade information back and forth. It just made things for everybody easier. And now you don't really get the chance to do that. You're watching dudes run until like 1030 at night. Nobody wants to go out after that. Nobody wants to talk. And so uh, it, it kind of it, it kind of slows down the free flow of information. And while that may not seem, it may seem like a oh, boo-hoo moment, uh, for some people, the reality is a lot of your content that comes out between February and May comes from those interactions. You know, people learning things, they trade that, it, it, you know, the world's largest game of telephone commences. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's beneficial to the league to have that, that kind of after-hours conversation stuff going on. But, uh, you know, they get to charge more for shaving cream and soap commercials by having it prime time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, for, so, at the combine, what, which players uh, that you, you know, you, you, you thought, thought like stood out the most to you or, or risen up on your board, maybe a player that you didn't really know about that caught your attention and you're like, man, I wish my team can get, can get this guy? But, uh, I mean, everybody knows Beckton and Worse, um, you know, tested well. Obviously, I think everybody knew who they were. They should, uh, since they were two of the top, you know, four tackles. Um, yeah, it should be it should be illegal to be that big, that strong, and that fast. Uh, you know, coming up, my mama, my mama always said, you know, if you can't outfight someone, be sure you can outrun them. And uh, I'm not sure I can do either one with one of those two. So, um, you know, it's uh, I think that. Uh, they, they tested well. You know, I, I thought A.J. Dillon tested really well. That was one of my guys. Um, he's kind of the Derrick Henry, I guess, of this draft out of Boston College. Um, who else tested well? Shoot. Uh, Henry Ruggs ran about what I thought he would. I know people were talking about him breaking the record. I, I, I didn't see him as that fast, but I certainly saw him as, as very fast. And it wasn't even a receiver that came, I don't believe, within a tenth of a second of him. So that should kind of you know tell you how fast he is uh, relative to his peers. Um Oh, man. I, you know, there were uh, Jimmy Chin tested well. I don't think a lot of people know who he is, a safety out of Southern Illinois. Um, and for people who don't know, he's actually Steve Atwater's nephew. Um, wow. But, you know, you wouldn't, wouldn't know that because he didn't go around talking about it. But, yeah, I, I thought he tested really well. Probably going to be like a day two safety. Uh, you, want, you want somebody that's a hitter that can cover. He's, he's the guy. He's got the right work ethic. Um, oh, man, who else? Uh, the receiver out of Rhode Island, I thought he, he looks pretty good. Um, you know, he's the only FCS in line. He ran a sub sub four four, ran right at four four. I think um, he's going to get some he's going to get some attention here uh, pretty soon. I, I thought those are the guys that really you know jumped out as as maybe guys you, you hadn't been looking at uh, that maybe you should be. Most of the other people, the cross checks were, were pretty good. I, I thought Lavisca ran slower than I thought he would. Of course, you know he had that injury and uh, had to pull up. Um, you know, I thought Jalen Rager ran a little slower than we thought he would. Um, Derek Brown wasn't very agile. You know, it wasn't, wasn't a very good combine for him in that regard. Uh, but, you know, overall, like most, most of the stuff, the combine for me is kind of a cross-check. You know, it's just, uh, you come into it and, you know, you sit down and you say, okay, I see this on tape. Let's see if he runs that. And if he runs it, you're good. If he runs faster than that, then uh, you need to go check and make sure you didn't have it too low or that you just didn't hire a good track coach to teach him how to run 40. Right. <laughs> uh, and if you run slower, you know, if you run slower, then you can go back and cross check and say, okay, wait a minute, is he really this fast, or is this a dude that's beating up on future insurance salesmen? Like, how far out do you guys normally start to scout players? Like, of course, you're going to scout during the season somewhat, but 
once college football concludes, like how in depth is the scouting at that point? Just watching tape or uh, checking, you know, comparing measurables pretty much. Well, I mean, it's a year-round process. You just kind of do what you can when you can. Um, you know, you always want to have your eye on, uh, you know, players and, and and who you think is, is a guy that fits within the confines of what it is you're trying to do as an organization. Uh, because the things that, you know, the, the Denver Broncos, for instance, are trying to do may not be the exact same thing that the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to do. You know, uh, the Broncos run a, a 34 um they philosophically want to send the least amount of people after the quarterback as necessary, drop everybody else back in zone and try to pick it off. Uh, the Eagles want to generate pressure with the front four, run the even front, and, uh, put their corners in man and try to push behind the sticks. So, you know, you want to find guys that fit, you think, philosophically what it is that you do. Uh, and that's why so much, of, so much of scouting and so much of these evaluations really is fit-dependent. You know, it really is dependent on where these guys go. Everybody's a good athlete. Everybody in the NFL is a great athlete. It's, you know, can, do they do the things that you want to do? Are they able to do the things that you want to do well? Like, how hard is it scout not knowing who, like, a team's coach is going to be for the next season just because they come in and want to change the philosophy and you need those different schemes, different type of players? Like, how hard is scouting then? I don't think it's, it's difficult. If you – you know, if you're evaluating a guy for what he can and can't do, uh, then it doesn't matter who you've got coming in as a coach. You can tell the coach, this guy can do this and he can't do that. This next guy can do this and can't do that. You're not looking for any one specific trait. What you're doing is you're looking at what the guy can or can't do or what you think he can or can't do. You put that down and then whatever your coach wants to do, you just take the guys that you think can do that and put them in front of them. And the guys that you can't, you say, hey, look, we don't believe these guys can do this. Got you. Yeah, what what Rashad was kind of alluding to was you know the you know the rumors about like, um, like Tua going number two to the Redskins um, when you know after you know you fire Jay Gruden and bring in you bring in Ron Rivera and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of like one do you do you think that's crazy because when we talk about uh, our when we had our NFL preview going into the season you can ask Rashad like I had. I think I had what? How many teams? Maybe about six or seven teams drafting Chase Young. <laughs> I was like, man. It, oh, it, oh yeah, you you were trying to play him on everybody. I'll try to put. I've been on Chase Young for like two years, and I was like, when he was even with both was there, I was like, man, this guy here, this he he's he's next, you know. Uh, do you, you think that's really mo- mostly smoke and mirrors about the the tour thing, or you, you think the Chase, the Chase Young is like probably just a no brainer for the Redskins? I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think Skins want to trade back. I think they recognize they're more than a Chase Young away. I think they'd like to trade back, and they want one of those teams that's looking at a quarterback to maybe try to come up there and get him uh, and, and, and give them a haul where they can you know, restock the roster for the next five years. Um, I, I think that's their ideal and their dream scenario. Uh, but, you know, if they don't get somebody to come up, uh, drafting Chase Young, that's a hell of a consolation prize for them. Definitely. Yeah, I would hope that they don't panic because you can still take Chase Young and just in case – the Haskins experiment doesn't work out, you still will probably end up being at the top of the draft where you have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields type guys next year. So it's, to me, it's worth the risk. You will get a pass rusher. Every team needs a pass rusher. Um, I want to see what happens with Trent Williams. He's been granted permission to seek a trade. So that's going to be a key need as well if, if, he's, uh, if he's traded. Yeah, I would hate to be the, be the coach or GM for – uh, Redskins, Lions, and Giants. I I understand the the 
how much you can get by you know by taking the trade down you know whether whether it's a couple picks a lot of picks whatever uh it just to me i don't i don't know i think that this that this draft could be a legendary draft i know i mean obviously i'm just projecting it but we talk about how how talented at least the prospects are and what they can be is like how how can a redskins how can a lions or how can a giants uh, you know, pass up on a Chase Young, a uh, uh, Jeff Okuda, uh, or or Isaiah Simmons. I feel like those those three guys right there, they might be they might be stars for the next ten years. And yes, you you know, obviously they're at the top of the draft because they have multiple multiple issues. But it's like, man, can you as as a GM, if you if you was there and you trade and you traded back and you saw that they came, you know, Hall of Fame type of players. Would you would you feel some type of way, or he's like, man, well, at the time, I just need I needed this, this, and that, and that's why I, I had to pass up on a guy like that. I think it's both, but I think you also take into consideration the calculus of the moment. So let's let's play this out, right? Let's say let's let's be Washington for a minute, all right? And let's say that um, we leak this out, and Miami decides they've just got to get to number two to make sure they get to it, right? So we make the trade, we swap picks, and we get a haul um, with the Miami Dolphins. And we know they're coming out to get a quarterback, right? So that means that if you like, uh, and you just mentioned three players, uh, Akuda, Simmons, and Young, right? So let's say we like all three of those players. We're comfortable coming away with any of those three players. If we trade back from two to five and one and two go quarterbacks, that means three and four, even if they take two of those three players, one of the three that we were comfortable with is still going to be there. So the math for me suggests that I try to trade down because I can get one of those three generational players and still get a haul in terms of the draft picks for moving back. Yeah, I would agree with that. that that's something that the Lions should do because Stafford's been there for so long that they're not moving forward. You're going to probably end up trading Slate, losing him. So just, just staying pat with Stafford and taking Okuda – that doesn't do anything for the franchise. So I'm in, I'm in favor of what you're saying. Like, hey, trade back to somebody, take somebody you're comfortable with, and try to get a haul versus just maintain the status quo because Detroit has been bad for so long. It's, it, it, those fans are better. It's, it's time to go ahead and try to turn it around. So just start taking the, the best chances you can. See, now, as the Redskins, you know, or, or the Lions, if they, if they was to move back a spot, you know, a couple of spots, I think Miami makes the makes the most sense because, like you said, you can still get one of those three, and you and I mean, who doesn't who who wouldn't need a a lockdown corner, a pass rusher, and a, and a do it all versatile uh, defensive player like those three. So, I think going to Miami that does make the most sense. But I mean, what what about like if uh, I've seen people talk about the Raiders trying to trade up? Um, you know, uh, I, I also seen I think I also seen a Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think that's put you out too far out of out of the position because now you now you're not getting one of those those special guys if you know if they turn out to be like that. Well you gotta remember if you're trading back your uh, a team is going up for a quarterback which means you're pushing a player down to you in some way. Uh, so you have to determine how many players you would be comfortable with drafting there at that number that you're trading back to. Uh, we just did the exercise where it was at five and we had three players and obviously which one's gonna be there. So let's say it's Carolina at seven you know, two of the players going ahead of you go to the quarterbacks. Are there five franchise-changing players in this draft? Um, and who do you think these other teams are that are going to trade around, um, you know, or pick ahead of you? Do you think that they're going to take one of those five players? So 
need scouting, some uh, some internal calculus you have to do for yourself to kind of kind of decide um, is this you know is this worth it for me mathematically? Can we come away with what we want to come away with? Uh, are we guaranteed to get a franchise-changing player in addition to these picks? Because you know the thing about draft picks is you're really only going to hit on about a third. So uh, you know you, you don't want to sit there and trade away opportunities of great players and wind up with opportunities of just good players. You know, right. I'd rather have one opportunity to a great player than three opportunities at a mediocre player to get to my draft. I definitely agree with that because some teams were like the Giants; they have multiple needs, for example. So. They can't go wrong if they go offensive line to help protect <laughs> the guy you drafted at quarterback last year, Daniel Jones. Or if you get Simmons, you can't go wrong with that either. So teams that have multiple needs, I, I think I would always go with best player available versus my needs because, like you said, you're only going to hit on so many. So if you have somebody graded as the highest prospect, I would always draft that versus sometimes drafting for needs. Yeah, that's that's the thing about this. Everybody talks about best player available, but that's not really how the league operates. You know, you have like your your tiers of players, and if you have an elite tier, uh, they're going to take that no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the best player or need or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, these are elite game changing players. We just take them and let the rest sort itself out. So there's something to be said for best player available. There's also something to be said for need as well because uh, you know you you, you want to take the best player at a need for you in an ideal situation. So I think the, the two philosophies, I think, are inherently um, combinable. I just think that people get a bit too dogmatic in picking one or the other rather than just trying to find the balance, which uh, is usually the, the better option. Right. Now, you were the Broncos, uh, the insider like that. Um, I, I did see your, your top 15 mock, and me and you had this exact same pick for, for your Broncos and, and uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, I, I did watch a video about, you know, you and your coach were, were uh, I guess, debating about who were the better receiver between CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs. And I was with you all the way as far as I, I have Henry Ruggs right behind Judy. And I, I tried to tell people, I was like, he may have been a he may have been a number a number two in college, but he definitely can be a number one in the in the NFL. And with a team like the Broncos, when you have a guy like Corey Sutton and you have a guy like Noah Fenton and you already have two you know, two RBBCs were back by committee with Lindsey and, and Freeman. I was like, man, if you add a Henry Ruggs, it's it's only like all the Drew Lock. Drew Lock has no has no reason to not succeed. You know, with all the weapons that he has. Uh, can, can you give me your insight on, on what do you think about Henry Ruggs? And, and I mean, you you did put him to the to pick for number fifteen. What do you think his ex, uh, if he was to get there? You think he would be the do you think he would be a number one more than Sutton, or you think you think Sutton can emerge to be that one, and Henry would be that you know that that guy with him? Well, Sutton would be the one. You'd, you'd have a situation like you have with the Texans right now, where uh, Sutton would be Duke Hopkins and Ruggs would be Will Fuller. You know, uh, Ruggs is that guy that makes everybody around him better, even when you're not throwing him the ball. You're stretching the field vertically. You're pulling safeties out of the box so the running backs can have more lane to run through. Uh, you're pulling double teams because they have no whole coverage. You're pulling double teams off a sudden and giving him one-on-ones. And so uh, Henry Ruggs is that guy that, that impacts the play even when he's not a part of the play. He could be a dummy route guy all game and still have a great game with zero catches. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you look at the Denver Broncos, they, they've got a bunch of uh, a different good players. You know, you've got Cortland Sutton, I think he's a great player. Tim Patrick's okay. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton's not really lived up to the hype. Uh, but 
then you look at Phil Lindsay and uh, Royce Freeman, they're perfectly serviceable. No bat was great for a for rookie tight end. You need speed. That's the one thing they don't have, speed at the receiver position. So I think if you add a rub, now all of a sudden you're dictating the defenses how they have to cover you. Uh, and that changes the game plan. That makes everything easier on the quarterback. It makes everything easier on the skill position players. Uh, and, I, and I think for, for that particular team, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he'll be the guy. I, I don't like C.D. Lamb as much as some other people do. I get the argument for C.D. Lamb. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think Henry Ruggs is a perfect number two in the NFL. I think that's exactly what he'd be uh, in the Pat Shermer offense. So, I, you know, I, I have been advocating for them to make the Ruggs pick since back in December. Uh, it looks like the rest of the, the country is kind of starting to catch up on that. We'll see if the Broncos, uh, you know, the guys I talked to there at the combine seem to like it. We'll see if the, the team, uh, you know, gets sold on that before the draft. And and that would be a, a huge get for them because I think the Broncos had the potential to be a surprise team of next season if they can get a Henry Ruggs. That gives you three good pass catchers, two running backs. I think Drew Locke, he showed some flashes, so with a, a good off season and, you know, some, some growth, plus they just traded for uh, A.J. Boyce, and so now you got some people in the secondary, still got Von Miller, so the Broncos could be in store for, you know, just on paper-wise, just looking at it, they could be in store for a great season by getting a guy like Henry Ruggs to add to that offense. The the AJ Boye trade. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I I'm pretty sure that's like what the Chris Harris replacement as rumors about him leaving. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's what that is. It's the Harris replacement. They, Harris was you know what's fifteen million per plus per year, um, and he, he's kind of the thing about like I love Chris, but Chris is kind of mouthy, and you know he'll say one thing and then he'll say another, and it's all about Chris. And, you know, so he, he comes in at the beginning of last year and says, you know, Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. I want to play on the outside more, so they play him on the outside. And then he gets about three-quarters of the way through the season, and he's like, well, they're playing me on the outside. My best spot is in the slot. And so, you know, his, his act kind of warped in after a while. It was a contentious offseason last season where he held out for more money. They gave him the money. They didn't feel like they really got the production out of it. But yeah, he's younger. Um, and it gives them, you know, kind of uh, a younger guy who's cost-controlled for the next two years. No guaranteed money in the deal. And it's cheaper than what they get Chris for, so they can bring Devontae Bosby back. Um, you know, I think the other day it's probably a smart move. And they gave up a fourth-rounder that was a throwaway pick they got in the Emmanuel Sanders trade anyway. So they got a third and a fourth for Sanders. So um, in the end, it was, you know, they're giving away the Niners pick at the end of the fourth round. Uh, it's not really – the Broncos aren't really that stressed about it. Right. Uh, it's, uh, also in the secondary, you got you, you got Justin Simmons. Uh, I think it, it was rumored that he he's getting the franchise tag. I'm not sure if they did it yet. Um, but is it, it, it? Do you think that's the right move for the Broncos to, to retain Justin Simmons, or do you, do you think he's is he worth the, uh, you know, that top dollar salary at from for a safety? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One of the most athletic safeties in the game. Um, registered two of the fastest on the next-gen stats, two of the fastest rundowns in terms of miles per hour reached, running down Tariq Cohen and Corbell Patterson. Um, 
you know, he makes plays. Uh, the Browns game, he sealed the victory with, uh, you know, coming off the edge and getting Mayfield with the sack. Uh, you know, he just he just makes plays. He's an all-pro safety, real smart guy, uh, zero red 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 flags for character or anything like that. Off-field, you'll never have to worry about any of that because he's just not that kind of guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would pay him. He fits well within Vic's scheme, too, you know, being a zone guy. He, he wasn't as good playing uh, for Vance and Wade because they kind of had him in man a lot, and that's not really his game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people were, were kind of talking about, like, who who would be the first safety off the board. And Justin Simmons, number one, and then followed by, I think, what Ant Harris was number two when it comes to free agency. But, yeah, I, I think that is the right move. I've I, I watched Justin Simmons grow. I, I think I had to do, like, a report on him maybe about two years ago. And I was like, you know, he's an up-and-coming guy. And then all of a sudden, boom, superstar. And I, I was like, man, this this guy, you can, you can put him in that class of a top five safety. And, you know, a lot of people – you know, if you don't really pay attention to the Broncos, you you don't don't really know about him too much because like he's not like a Chris Harris who talks a lot. He's do a job and, and go home. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's uh, that's a great player, but doesn't you know does not a lot of ego there. Just wants to go in there and win. Wants to get the job done. And you know, I think he's a great fit. Um, you know, across the board, he's she's smart too. So you know, when when they move on from Todd Davis, he can kind of help quarterback the defense a little bit. Uh, if you want to go into the uh, to to the NFL, you know the r- rumor mill real quick uh, before we let you go, um, the Brady Brady to the Forty Niners. Um, how serious do you think this is? Um, as you know, as a rumor, uh, and do you think the Forty Niners are willing to actually do it? Well, that that rumor's false. I can tell you. I talked to uh, when that came out. I called. Um, some people over with the Niners and about got laughed off the phone. Uh, that, that is not a real thing at all. They have had no discussions about Tom Brady whatsoever, uh, internally or otherwise. Um, I would suggest that if Tom Brady were to leave the Patriots, uh, that the three teams that would be most likely would be the Tennessee Titans, uh, the Chargers, and the Raiders. I, I don't think the Niners are even involved from my, my conversations with people who work for the Niners. I just have a hard time seeing Brady leaving at all. I know he wants New England to upgrade their their weaponry for him, but I think it's just – I mean, I look at sometimes sports like a relationship. It's hard to break up with somebody after 20-something years and all the success and fun you've had, and then you're going to go to a new situation, have to learn a new system, and, you know, will that team tailor everything towards you? And he's already 43, so I think his best bet is staying in New England. Just hope that they – have some growth from Harry and draft well or sign some guys in free agency or maybe they can get a get a trade. Cause I think if they would have kept Antonio Brown, we wouldn't have all this stuff going on. But I think the Antonio Brown thing was kind of what undid their season. Yeah, I think it's part of it. They just didn't have receivers on the outside there. And Kill Harry wasn't ready. Brown, that whole nightmare. Um, there was a lot going on there. I, I could see Brady leaving for a team like the Chargers where it is the same offense, at least in terms of terminology. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. They don't have much of an offensive line, and I can't see him leaving for a team with no line. I mean, the Chargers—they've they, got a great defense and they've got a lot of skill position players, but no line would be a would be a no-no for me if I'm a 44-year-old quarterback looking to you know to hang on for another two years. Yeah, I I, I pretty much knew that 49ers uh, thing was 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 false because you're going to give up a guy who's I mean, how old is Jimmy G? Like 26, 27. Who's this is his first time ever like this first year starting. Um, for you know, for a 43-year-old quarterback who's only going to last maybe one or two seasons, 
now you're going to be back into the quarterback market once you know once Brady uh, retire. Um, so I, I, pr- I pretty much knew that one was out. Um, I was with you with the Raiders earlier in the process of you know when the rumors started surfacing, and the only reason why I, I have kind of flack against him going to the Raiders or to the Chargers is you know the the you, you're going to be in, at at best the second best team in that conference I mean, in that division, and on top of that, I still think uh, the Broncos are are a pretty good team. I mean, Rashad, we we had these kind of back and forth you know before the season started about. You know who was who? Who was the worst team in the division? I, I was for the Broncos. He was for the Raiders. As far as like you know who who was better, and then we we both agreed that the Chargers was a team that you know you never know what you're going to get. And with them having the you know Phil Rivers leaving, uh, you know whether they go with Tyrod or you know the draft with Herbert or something like that, it's kind of like w- w- does Brady want to see himself as the second best? You know the second best team in there because it, it, like I said, he's fighting for that. It, it, it won't even be a you know conclusion. You know, versus like a Tennessee Titans where you, you know Bill O'Brien is going nine and seven and ten and six probably at the at the best, and with Derrick Henry and the receiving core he that that team has Mike Vrabel them, I've, that's probably the number one the number one uh place and it's kind of like man if he go to the AFC West, that's just like you said the Chargers offensive line and he has to run away from Bradley Chubb and run away from Vaughn Miller he has to maybe maybe Chris Jones but have to see Frank Clark, uh it's I don't know it's. It's just so hard for me to put put him on the Raiders or the Chargers anymore, just because it's like, it, it can Tom Brady can Tom Brady be Tom Brady of what we know, or is he a different Tom Brady now? I think at this point he's playing for legacy. Um, you know, he's playing to he's trying to keep pace with Breeze as far as putting his name on the all time marks. Um, and so I think that's really what this is about. Tom Brady just won a ton of Super Bowls. I mean, yeah, he still wants to win, but you know, how motivated are you to win? whatever Super Bowl number it is now <laughs> right. uh, versus, you know, potentially putting your name all time on the record books. You know, I know Peyton Manning was frustrated. He didn't get to go another season or two because he felt like he could have put those numbers out of reach. Uh, but unfortunately he couldn't. And, you know, we see where we're at now. So Breeze is hanging on another year because he wants to try to do it. Tom Brady's playing well into his 40s because he wants to try to do it. And, you know, these guys can deny that personal legacy is important to them. But at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. I would say if you put it that way, if he's just going to play, you know, you know, uh, living in L.A. would be great. Living in Las Vegas would be great. If you put it that way, yes, I, I would definitely agree. If if he if it's all if it's all about winning, if number one is winning, is I was like, well, Tennessee probably would be that option because I don't think he won't live in Nashville though. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, having to sell Giselle on Nashville might be a bit of a thing, but you know, at the end, he's you know, he's from he's from Southern California. He's from you know, from California, so that the Chargers make sense in that regard. I, I think he can he can go anywhere. I mean, you know, the guy from California played college ball at Michigan, and now he's over, the, you know, up there on uh, uh, in Boston. You know, so that's about as diverse an economy as you can get. You know, uh, going around the horn. So I, I think I think he'd be okay anywhere, and it would be a temporary stop anyway. I mean, you're talking about one, maybe two years with Tom Brady at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. Well, speaking of one or two more years, um, back in October, I was thinking Jameis is unraveling, the Chargers aren't going anywhere, so it's time for both teams to cut bait. I have Phillip Rivers going to the Buccaneers. What are you hearing in regards to that, and what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, they were they wanted him, um, I, and he was certainly willing to listen. But I think that he has kind of shifted toward the Colts at this point. Um, that's not to say he's out on the Bucks, but he's shifted toward the Colts, and 
and that's kind of I think where that's at. Um, so I, I think the Bucks are going to wind up settling on Teddy Bridgewater, um, but we'll see. There was some potential to move Derek Carr from the Raiders, and uh, and them kind of you know figure their situation out, especially if Brady that the Brady Domino really hinges a lot of things. If Brady were to go to Tennessee, that puts Tannehill out on the market, and Gruden would be all over that. So it's it really is kind of a weird weird deal. I expect Brady to go back to New England, but if one of those other things happen, it shakes up uh, shakes up the entire market. Um, and I'll be to cut this short, guys, but I got to run here in a few. All good. Uh, appreciate you for joining us. Like I said, uh, Benjamin Albright. Uh, you can follow him at Albright NFL. It's two L's in Albright. Uh, I appreciate you joining us, man. No, thanks again for having me. Sorry to cut it short. I just I got to run. All good. Appreciate you. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate you. Yep. Take care. And we are back. Like I said, appreciate Benjamin for Benjamin for joining us, man. That, that was pretty good. Um, you, you can follow, like I said, follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Um, moving on, Rashad, man. Uh, so got the news about Trent Williams finally being granted permission to seek trade. We kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier with the Redskins. Quick, uh, I mean, you think Redskins could get a, le- a first round form? I, I tweeted out earlier. I was like, man, okay. So which team is going to feel their need right now and go ahead and give them a first because. Trent Williams was, was battling Tyron Smith for who was the best left tackle in the game. And this guy can come right in. He's not that old. He's come right in and he can and he can be that anchor on your left side. So uh do you do you have a team in mind? And if or if not, uh do you think a team to get him will have to give him a first round? No, I don't have any teams in mind. As far as like what they would have to give up, it's gonna have to be a pretty decent haul because it's you have to look at the market. Look at what Laramie Tunsil went for. Right. Tunsil was a first and I want to say like a fourth or something like that as well. Um, yeah. And I, I believe Trent, uh, Trent Williams is, is better than Laramie Tunsil. I mean, Tunsil was pretty young, younger than him. But um, I was wondering if, like, the Redskins could come up in the first round. I, I, you know, maybe maybe that's the back end of the first round to one of those type of teams. Uh, maybe maybe Trent Williams is just want, he wants to get on, on the contender team. But I, I have heard rumors about, like, Cleveland Browns, uh, New York Jets. Uh, I think that's the 10th pick for the Browns, and I think Jets have the 11th pick. So it's kind of like, okay, well, if they were able to get the, the second pick in the draft and somehow get them a, a top 15 pick, like the Redskins, we talked we talk about the Broncos being a surprise team. The Redskins could be right there on the market too. I need to see a little more from the Redskins. I need to see, you know, if they – Trade Trent, offensive lineman needs some work. Need growth from Haskins. Defense was solid last year, but let's see what happens with that this year. Uh, guys is always banged up. How how much more does AP have in the gas tank? Hey, AP AP is hurt. all day. He's all day. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got. I just have a few concerns about you know how good they can be. They have a lot of what ifs, like as as most teams do during the off season. So. Right. They kind of want to see how, see how it plays out. By the time we get to September, you know, August, September, where we're doing our NFL preview, we'll kind of know what's real and what's not. Yeah. Well, who's real and what's not, as far as team-wise. I, w- I was kind of glad that they finally gave him permission because people don't know, Trent Williams what was, I think he had, like, something on his uh, – he kept going to the, doc- the trainers about, like, something's wrong with me, uh, something in my head, blah, blah. Come to find out, he had some kind of, like, tumor. And the Redskins told him he was fine. So that is that is how the relationship formed. That I I figured, even with firing Jay Gruden, even with firing Bruce Allen, that you know basically getting rid of the whole staff, that it wasn't going to be enough to repair. And you know, 
Ron Rivera probably had it. He did his due diligence and tried to talk to him and, you know, maybe the Trent Williams just said, there's no way I'm playing for D.C. again as far as, far as how y'all treated me. So it's time to move on, which if anybody, any reasonable person can understand why he wants to leave. So I know River, Rivera is not going to hold him hostage uh, like he was last season. But I think the Redskins maybe possibly had missed their opportunity to, to get as much as they wanted for him. They still get a lot, but could have got way more if they traded him during the season probably. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's grant permission, but who knows what the market will bear for. Maybe it's too much. Maybe not, nobody wants to give up that much or, you know, you, you kind of got to see what the market bears. Like, teams like the Browns could use him, but how much they want to give up for him. So, and so many teams could use a guy like that. It just depends upon what they're willing to part with. Uh, quickly, Melvin Gordon uh, is going to test for agency. I saw the report and I, I, sent, I sent you I sent you a text. I was like, as if he had a choice. Like, <laughs> um you know, the running backs, You everybody know how we feel about them. We don't pay them. So, uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, I like Melvin Gordon. I'm actually a Melvin Gordon fan, especially in fantasy football. Um, but uh, it's time for him to uh, test free agency. He may get a deal. I know teams like Miami Dolphins uh, have a lot of cap space. Uh, so, he can find himself getting get the money that he, he wants. Um, I don't know if a lot of teams will pay it. But if you want to, Melvin Gordon is, is a good running back. Um, don't know if he come back to the Chargers or not, but I think Austin Eckler is good enough for the Chargers in their scheme. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that. We anything you want to add about Mel, um, Melvin Gordon? No, I just gotta wait and see what happens. A lot of teams need running backs. The running back market is kind of shaky. There's been some under the radar rumors of maybe Le'Veon Bell go back to Pittsburgh. You know, so you know it, it's just a lot of rumors going around about running backs and. It's it's prime rumor season pretty much, so you don't know what's smoking with mirrors. You know, you just got to see what what shakes out once free agency kicks off, trade, draft, see you know see what teams feel their needs. Oh, definitely, it definitely is rumor season. Uh, another rumor, man, Al Michaels <laughs> uh, from NBC with Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's been trade rumors that he may get traded to ESPN. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny to see that. Not only do players get traded, so can so can commentators. Uh, Al Mack is one of the best to ever do it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, ESPN is rumored that if they trade for him, they'll get paid Manning as well. Um, rumors that he that Tony Romo already set the market uh, for for uh, commentators, and the rumors that Peyton Manning will break that uh, already. Uh, do you think Peyton Manning and Al Mack will be a good pairing? Uh, probably so. I mean, we're seeing what, what Romo's doing in the booth, and we know Peyton's just as intriguing, just as witty, uh, if not more so. So it'll, it'll be just his, his IQ for the game. Uh, anytime you can have Peyton Manning talking football is always a good thing. Definitely. Um, the Lakers signing Deion Waiters over J.R. Smith. Um, did, did you have any you have, you have anything about that? I'm not a Deion Waiters fan. Um, I know he can score, um, but – it, it it may work out. It probably probably will work out better than I, than I think it will. Um, but do you have any? Yeah, do you have any reason? Why, well, not reason, but do you have any any way about them choosing Dion over J.R. Smith? Yeah, probably just because you know the last time J.R. was with LeBron, he had the flu up in Cleveland, and I'm pretty sure like they're like J.R. is basically friends with all those guys. He's played with Melo. He's played with D. Wade, LeBron, of course, Chris Paul. So he's played with that in a circle so he's pretty much friends with all those guys so 
I just think at this point, his focus is probably on his family more so than basketball. And waiters, he was kind of in a, a – everybody knows Miami's a tough environment, so he was kind of in a unique situation down there. They want to get off of him. So, you know, with LeBron, he'll get a chance to knock down plenty of shots, and he'll be on the second unit more than likely. So that'll give him some free reign with the ball because we know he likes to use the, the – hold the ball at times and try to try, try to try to try to create a highlight so at least on the second unit he'll get a chance to do some roaming around and try to create him a, a sports in the top 10 highlight yeah we'll, we'll see i mean i don't know if it really moves the needle too much but i know Deion waiters is uh i mean i think the lakers needed another guy that could you know in a series let's say let's say you're going seven games at least in one of those games he's giving you 25 Right, you need you need players like that. Like you, you got that in Danny Green, who who knows he can he can give you two games of twenty five. Um, a Kuzma can get you can give you give you one game. Um, Deion Waiters can is capable as well, and so is like a Bradley or KCP if they get hot. Right, so I, I think you know if you think about it that way, let's say Bradley game one, Danny Green game two, Waiters game three, Kuzma game four, game five. You know, you, you hope you're hoping for another output for one of those other guys. If you if you give yourself the opportunities to have multiple guys who can light it up, you only need them to do it occasionally, especially in a series where you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, it's not like they re- depend on that 25 from Waiters, you know, every every game of the series. But hey, you give me one or two games, boom, I'm happy about it because I got Davis and LeBron James. So that I mean, if you think of it that way, then I think the signing is is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, getting waiters don't really help LeBron's MVP candidacy either. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, I mean, so speaking of that, all right. All right. So, uh, a lot of people are kind of getting upset that everybody says that Giannis is the MVP, but everybody keeps saying, "Well, Bron, Bron is the real MVP." Now, we out of, out of all stu- superstars that we ever seen, um, you know, the ones that came before LeBron, when when Le- when LeBron leaves a team, they definitely go to the bottom of the barrel. We've seen it. We've seen it in Cleveland twice. We've seen it in Miami, even even with Wade and Bosch, they, they were they were struggling to 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 stay be a, a a good team. Um, and then I think once once uh Wade left for Chicago and Bosch uh uh had the little what blood clots or whatever was it blood clots, yeah blood clots. Uh, then the Heat went right toward to the bottom. But so we've seen that how valuable LeBron James really is. So <laughs> I've always asked this question. When 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 are when are you able to be in the MVP race when you have an another we have another elite guy like a superstar and you know we've seen it with Kevin Durant and Curry when when you can you you can debate that they're two of the top five I would say two of the top seven just 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 to be safe uh, on your team uh, they neither one of them could win MVP um, it took it took Russ to get triple doubles to win MVP. Uh, I think before Kevin Durant left, Russ was ascending to this superstar status. I mean, a lot of people may not agree with that, but I think Kevin Durant was already there and Russ was ascending to that. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Durant did get that one, but you got Kobe. He, he won with Paul Gasol. I think Shaq won with Kobe, but he won with the younger Kobe, not the, not the you know, the, the 2004, 2005, that, that prime Kobe. He didn't win with that. And same thing here with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis – Last year, without LeBron James, when uh, with LeBron James, Lakers what was, I mean, you didn't even make the playoffs. With LeBron didn't get hurt because I don't know. I I don't think they would have been a top seed like everybody thinks so. And adding Anthony Davis, now you're the best team in the league. 
I don't think with that with that situation we can put LeBron James as the MVP. No, just look at history. Most guys don't win the MVP when they're playing alongside another player like that. I mean, you look at James Harden and Russell Westbrook. They are those are two of the top ten or twelve guys in the league right now, and neither one's gonna win MVP because they're playing together. Curry and Durant, they 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 were getting stats, winning championships, but they sacrificed individual accolades for that goal at the end. And to me, that's what LeBron James' motive is now. Even though he would love to have the MVP, he'd rather have the title and the finals MVP at the end. But I think both those guys, LeBron and AD, are both in the top five. So there's no way you can win the MVP when you're putting, when you have two top five guys playing together. And Giannis has just been putting up crazy numbers in very very few minutes. I mean, I think there's a clear clear gap between him and Middleton. Now Giannis is a top five, top six player in the game. Middleton is probably barely even in the top 30, 35. I mean, of course, that's going to be debatable depending upon what you prefer, right. stuff like that. But, yeah, like, I don't I mean, if I, I could probably name 25 guys right now for sure that, you know, based upon impact, position, what they do, you would probably say, yeah, they're better than Middleton here, but maybe not. You know, it, it, it won't be a clear cut. He's better than certain guys. It'll be debatable. So, right. Yeah. There's, just a, there's yeah. just a clear gap between that. It's just, it's just a clear gap. So, yeah, and then Giannis to- went MVP again this year. On top of that, Giannis only plays 30 minutes. <laughs> like, like you, you mentioned about he don't play a lot of minutes. Like, he only played 30. Uh, imagine if he played as 35, like LeBron and Davis and the Lucas and all the other guys of the world. Like, if you do, like, a you know, the per – I seen somebody say per 36 minutes don't mean anything. I was like, well, they give you a better scale of if y'all play the same amount of minutes. And if Giannis was playing the same amount of minutes as LeBron, he would average maybe like three to four more points – probably about three or four more rebounds. So you're talking about a guy who's already putting up, what, 30, well, close to 30 and 13, going to like 34 and 16. Like, this is a different type of animal. And, uh, I mean, as, as far as as far as what you mentioned about the gap between Giannis and Middleton versus LeBron and Davis, I could – year 17, LeBron and Davis are the same, or Davis is a little higher. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're they right there together, while Giannis and Middleton are, are players apart. So – yeah, I don't. I don't really think it's a debate. I think it's just more they want to give it to LeBron, which LeBron can win every single year. I mean, it's it's LeBron James. Uh, like so, it is what it is. I think I think Giannis is going to be in that category where he can win every year because of what he's doing. So, uh, we'll we'll see. I, I don't think it's a debate though. No, it shouldn't be. It's, it's Giannis' award, but this may be his last one for a while unless he comes back doing. Will Chamberlain on us next year? I don't think the storyline, like I, I don't think the storyline of being his favorite next year. Like next year, it'll probably be a Luka Doncic award or uh, maybe the, the Kevin Durant back with the Nets and they go to the top of the East, something like that. Like it'll be somebody else's award next year. Yeah. It won't be Giannis's. But we got some, we got some games tonight, man. We were just talking about Russ and Harden. Talking about Lakers got Kawhi and the Clippers got Houston and uh, Clippers tonight. What you think about the game, man? Uh, can, can, can the Rockets play? The, can they play the spoiler and potentially get to the two seed and knock the Clippers down to the four seed? And right now, Nuggets at two, Clippers at three. So can the Rockets start trying to get some of these time breaks and get up to that two seed? See, a lot of people coming through the season, they didn't think that the Russ, the Russ game was going to work. Like Russ and Harden was going to work together. I was like, man, it's it's so easy for. A guy like Russ in this offense, we've seen we've seen guys like I always talk about this right here: Steve Nash and Melo. Steve Nash can pass, Melo can score, right? James Harden was a combination of both of those guys, 
and then you bring another another guy like Russ, who's 100 100 miles per hour all the time. It's going to be hard to stop these guys. And getting Capella out the way because he couldn't play anyway in like against the Warriors, he could never play in the game because they would just they space him out, and there's nothing he can do. But now with Covington and PJ Tucker, like those guys are not they they might be short, you know, six eight and six. Uh, I think PJ Tucker like six five, six six. To be to be. They're not really that short, but you're not just going to bully them. And the, the thing about it is, if you look at the West, you talk about you know upset, you know getting in front of the Clippers. Outside of Davis and Jokic, what other team in the West are you scared of? Okay, maybe Porzingis is kind of rising now, but he's more of a unicorn where he can score anywhere. So it's probably kind of hard to guard him anyway. But I, those three teams, are we worried about Adams on the Thunder? Are we worried about uh, are we worried about Montrez Harrell on the Clippers? We're not. Um, the Clippers are built through the wing spot, so we're not worried about them. Uh, who else you got? Nug- the Nuggets can Jokic can Jokic guard them? You know when you got Peter Tucker and Covington at the five and four. So I don't know. I, I think the Rockets. I think this small ball is going to work in the West. Uh, a lot of people uh, bat- was bashing the idea, but there's there, what centers are we worried about? And even in the East, is NBA going to make it to the finals? Like outside of Giannis, I mean, who is more unstoppable? I mean, unstoppable like that they have to worry about. Yeah, their 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 style of play is gonna make other teams adjust to them. And I I still, you know, at this point we haven't had any major injuries or major changes, so I'm still keeping my prediction that the Rockets and Clippers still do meet in the West Finals. I I don't think that the all LA thing is gonna happen. Not right now, anyway. Well, I think the all LA thing had Loki had happened this year because I don't know how much of great LeBron we're gonna have. You know, at any at any moment he can start breaking down. Because I mean, he's what he been here for so long. You know, but uh, but no, the Rockets gonna be right there. I, I remember remember we did a preseason thing. I said Rockets would be the one seed because I thought this I thought this would be too hard to stop Jalen Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then like imagine they had this idea at the beginning of the season. Remember, I was I was so. Try to tell them, trade for Jalen Brown, man. Get, get you another wing and forget Capella. We don't need that. Nene, Tyson Chandler, whatever. They throw them out there for a little bit. So uh, I think the, the Rockets, man, they can do something. And I wouldn't say be scared of them, but you need to be scared of them. Yeah, they, they definitely are forced to be reckoned with. They just got to, you know, keep playing consistent and don't get in foul trouble pretty much. Because once you start getting in foul trouble, it, it's all over then. Right. Uh, we get, we got one more, one minute left in this in this show tonight, man. Like I said, we want to thank uh, Benjamin for joining us. Uh, Rashad, are you looking forward to anything this weekend? Of course, man. Always XFL. Got some more NBA games coming on. The season heating up, starting to wrap. You know, twenty so games left. So the season heating up, man. The race for the eight seed is hot. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, also, I'm I'm going to be starting a a streaming a streaming live streaming. With fans uh, of teams, so for example, Rashad, you're a Spurs fan, so I'll get you two other guys who are Spurs fans getting on. It's gonna be called preaching to the choir, where we we, we debate about you know the, the state of the team, where they're gonna go, uh, things of that nature. So look up, be on lookout for that. If you want to join, just hit me up on Twitter uh, at Pastor underscore Kevin Kev, and we can we gonna we gonna set that up. So uh, I just want to put that out there. Also, make sure you follow us on Sportscaster. Shout out to Un- Unwrapped Sports Network, Twelve Ounce Sports as well. Um, and you know, it's time. It's about that time, Rashad. <laughs> oh yeah, man, March Madness. Oh yeah, we we here March Madness, man. Preach, care, preach. We're Rashad. We out.
Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance.